0: Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the time that we we have to come together and, Lord, to be unified as a body of Christ, to call upon you to worship and exalt you, Lord, to worship and to focus on the audience of one. And we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us, Lord, to to be your vessels and and to serve you and, and, Lord, to come together as a body of Christ to encourage one another. We thank you for your word that convicts us and, and, and challenges us and changes us, Lord. So, Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say and every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Praise God. If you have your Bible or Bible app, turn to 1 John, the Epistle First 1 John, chapter 5, Verses 1 through 5 is today's text. Not the Gospel John, but the Epistle John. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. We're now in part 13 of our series, Authentic. Say authentic. More enthusiasm. Say authentic. I love that. Now, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text. Chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. You might remember these points. I'll give you three points. The first point was the stain of perfect love. Say that. The stain of perfect love, that's in verses 13 through 16 of chapter 4. And uh, we see that there's a mutual living, a mutual remaining, a mutual abiding, a reciprocal abiding and dwelling. In other words, we dwell and abide in God, as John writes, and he, God, abides in us. Uh, there's a personal and, and vital and dynamic living relationship with God and God with us. So how do we know As John writes this, how do we know that we live in God and he lives in us? Well, John says because he, God the Father, has given us his his spirit. Say his spirit. And then John speaks about the eyewitnesses. Uh, Speaking of the apostles, uh, they knew the Father sent the Son as the Savior of the world and that we as believers, if we confess the apostolic testimony that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, fully and truly and eternally divine, who saves us from our sins, that confession, say confession, is evidence that God abides in us and we abide in Him. And you see, the Christian, what John is driving at, the Christian who has this kind of relationship with God will be virtually immersed, immersed in God's love. It becomes their environment. It becomes their place of dwelling. It becomes their place of abiding. That's the stain of perfect love. The second point was the security of perfect love. Say that, the security of perfect love. That's in verses 17 through 18 of chapter 4. And there John tells us, what a growing love for God produces. And he says this so that we will have confidence, a confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Speaking of Jesus, like Jesus. And John's taking us into the future, right? Right into the future when we will stand before God and saying that our love for God slam dunks, slam dunks fear. Can I get an amen? Our love for God displaces a dread. Of God's punishment. And what he's saying is this that in the day of judgment, we as believers, we stand and have confidence. Why? Because we stand and are clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. That fear has no part with love. That's the security of perfect love. The third point of last week's message was the sign of perfect love. Say that. The sign of perfect love, verses 19 through 21 of chapter 4. And what John does there, I love it. He reminds us that we love because God first what? Come on, loved us, right? That our love for God is always in response uh, to his love for us. He initiates and we respond. And then John makes it very clear that our claim of loving God is false if we do not also love our brothers and sisters in Christ and that it's impossible, say impossible, to love God whom we have not seen, bless you, whom we have not seen, and hate our fellow believers whom we have seen. And so John's point is this. If we possess love for God, then love for our fellow believers will be evident as well in our lives. Amen? In other words, horizontal love, horizontal love verifies vertical love. That's the sign of perfect love. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message today is Overcomers. Everyone say that. Now say it like you're an overcomer. Say it, overcomers. In today's text, we see evidences of the new birth uh, and the benefits of those and how they make us overcomers. Amen? Uh, two points from the text. we you ready to say yes? Number one is this faith and regeneration. Say that, faith and regeneration. Now, before we move into the first verse, I, I want to point out that John has More to say about the new birth than anyone else in the Bible. And I would call John the the chief expositor of the doctrine of regeneration. Say regeneration. And and we know this, right? We should know this, that regeneration is a biblical or a theological term for the new birth. Okay, say say new birth. Uh, In other words, being born again, born of God. In other words, that which was spiritually dead now comes alive. That's regeneration. It's a heart transplant. It's, it's a new creation. It's a spiritual resurrection. It's a spiritual circumcision, a spiritual washing, a purging, and purifying the once defiled soul. Now, I want you to write this down. Titus chapter three, verse five. And the ESV speaks of the washing of Regeneration, this is the way the ESV renders it. He saves us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Here we go, by the washing, say washing, of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is also the meaning in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 5, where it says, Jesus answered, Verily, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born of water, born again, born of water, say water, and the Spirit. The water pictures the cleansing the new birth brings to the polluted soul. Now let's dive into the text, verse 1a. When I say verse 1a, that's the first part of verse 1. You guys with me? Say yes. Everyone, say everyone, who believes, say believes, circle that, underline that, believes that Jesus is the Christ, is what? Say born of God. Now we gotta take time to really look at and understand what the word believe is. The word believe is not just head knowledge. It's not just agreeing with. It implies more than that. In the Greek, the word believe is pistis. Say that. Pistis. It means confidence and trust. And what it does, it conveys the idea of clinging to, uh, to trust in, to, to rely upon. It means to put your full weight on something. Say full weight on something. Good example. Right now you're sitting down on, on the chair, right? And you're, you're putting your what? Your full weight on that chair. Your total commitment is, you're committed to it, right? Because you, you just have what? You believe it's going to hold you up, right? Okay, right? Because what? You trust it. You trust that chair is going to hold you up. So it is with believing that Jesus is the Christ. It speaks of total commitment to Jesus Christ. It's a committal of one's life to him. It's submitting, submitting. I love that word, submitting one's life to him as Lord. It's completely entrusting your soul, completely entrusting your life to him. Amen. That's believing. Now, go back to the text again. Jesus is the Christ. Say the Christ. Now, the, now you guys know this, right? We we learned this last week. The word the is the definite article. So the in front of Christ, meaning he is the only Christ. Got it? The the one who was long ago promised, the one who was long ago prophesied. He is the one, the only one who has come to rescue us and to deliver us from our sins. And so we as believers, we believe that. We put all of our faith and all of our trust, our confidence our full weight, say our full weight, that he is the Christ. And listen, everything begins and everything ends with whether or not our faith is in Jesus and in Jesus alone for our salvation. I want you to write these scriptures down. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Some of you you might know this by heart. Acts 16, verse 31. They replied, believe, say believe. There it is, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. John 14, 6. We all know this, right? Jesus answered, I am the way, definite article, the way, the truth, and the life. The only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You guys got it? Now let's go back to the text. Everyone who believes, we know that what that means, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ, right? The only Christ, right? Is what? Born of God. Here is the Greek word, genao. Say "genao," it means to cause, to be born. So, so follow me. The word believe or believes is in the present tense, meaning what? Daily, ongoing, continual belief. It's, it's not a one-time event. It's a continual trusting in Jesus. It's an active faith. Got it? And born of God, say born of God, is in the past perfect tense. It means action took place. An action that took place in the past that continues into the present. So the idea that John is expressing here in the text is that the way you can tell who has been born of God is the one who is continually, presently believing that Jesus is the Christ. That's the new birth. That's saving faith. That's regeneration. Amen? Let me put it this way about saving faith. I'm going to use four words. Saving faith is, write it down, decisive. Say that. It's decisive, okay? We made a decision to follow Christ, right? To follow him. We've decided to follow Jesus. Also, saving faith is submissive. Now, I love that word, say submissive. Saving faith surrenders... To the rule of Jesus Christ over our lives. We're no longer our own. We now belong to Jesus. Say decisive. Say submissive. Saving faith is repentant. I'm going to use that word say repentant. Now that we're saved, and you got to get this, folks, now that we're saved, we have come under deep conviction of our sin. Right? We now turn away from a life pursuit, a lifestyle of sin. Now, when we sin, because we're saved, but we're still saved sinners. But when we sin, we confess our sin and turn from it, right? Because to be repentant means a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of desires, a change of will. Stay decisive, say submissive. Say repentant, saving faith. Here we go, the last word I'm gonna give you here is persevering. Say that. Saving faith perseveres to the end. It does to the end. If you're saved, say amen. We persevere, now listen, listen now. We persevere not to be saved. We persevere because we are saved. So the first evidence, there's five evidences here in this passage, the text. The first evidence we see of the new birth is what? Faith in Christ. Just write that down. Say faith in Christ. Now, just like we have evidence of our physical birth, right, our birth certificate, we're breathing, we're talking, we're living, that gives evidence that we're physically alive, right? Right? Well, just just as there is evidence of physical birth, there's also evidence of a spiritual birth. And John shows us what that looks like. Verse 1b, let's read on the text. And everyone, say everyone, who loves the Father loves his child as well. If we're born again, if we're saved, have the new birth, then we will love the Father. We will love God. To love God the Father is to worship Him. It's to adore Him, revere Him, honor Him. It's to esteem Him and prize Him, say prize Him, above all others above all this world offers. Now, now, we used to be indifferent with God. Right, church? Okay, we, we were at war with God. We were enemies of God in rebellion against God. We didn't care anything about God. We resisted and we rejected God. We didn't love God. Rather, we loved ourselves. We loved our sin. We loved the world. We loved our independence from God. But now that we're saved, say, now that we're saved... And okay, now that we're re- regenerated, now that we're in Christ, now that we're, as John puts it, born of God, we now love God and we have a heart and a passion for God and a desire to fellowship with God, a desire to be in his presence, to commune with him and to be consumed by him. So there's a second evidence of the new birth. It's a love for God. First evidence is what? Faith in Christ. Second evidence is what? A love for God. Write that down, love for God. Back to the text. And everyone who loves the Father, here we go, loves his child as well. You see, love for God, and you got to get this, love for God spills over into love for other believers. And we've been talking about love for a long time now, right? That's John's theme. One of his themes is love. And we're like, man, John, can you move on? We get it. No, he's not done with it yet. Right? Right? It fills over into love for other believers because we love the Father, and and I pray that we do, right? We love the Father. We will love what he loves. What does God love? God loves his children. You see, there will be a supernatural love. We call this the agapeo, the agape, God's divine, unconditional love, right? Got it? There will be a supernatural love placed within us that fills us with compassion and with a concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So here's a lesson. We always have a lesson, yeah? Okay, here we go. Love begins in the family of God. Love begins in the family of God. Now, now as Christians, are we only to love other Christians and no one else? Huh? No. In fact, God's Word is very clear that we are to love non unbelievers. We are to love those who are outside of Christ. We are to even love our enemies. Huh? But loving, what John's saying, but loving our brothers and sisters in Christ is where love must begin. It must begin in the body of Christ, right? It must begin in the family of God and then flow out to the world in general. Love must begin here, I cry out. And every church must begin here or we will never learn to love those outside of Christ, amen? We don't got to like each other, right? We say this a lot of times we got to love each other. And it begins here in the body of Christ. So the third evidence of the new birth is what? Here we go, love for our fellow believers. You guys getting this? Okay, faith in Christ, first evidence. Second evidence, love for God. Third evidence, love for our fellow believers. But there's more evidence, amen? Okay, let's read verses two and three. This is how we know, say no, there's that word again, No, that we love the children of God How? Here we go. By loving God and carrying out slash obeying his commands. Verse 3, this is love for God. What is it to obey his what? Commands, and his commands are not burdensome. You see, loving God and loving our fellow believers is all tied up with the concept of obedience. You guys with me? In other words, there's a lifestyle of obedience to the word of God. If you got it, say got it. Listen, we give evidence of our salvation. We demonstrate our salvation. We demonstrate the new birth when we walk and live in humble obedience to the word of God. We do what he says, right, in his word. We don't pick and choose. We don't. We don't pick and choose what parts of the Bible we want to believe. Huh? We believe all of it, right? Because it's His word. And sadly, nowadays, right, we have too many hometown buffet Christians, right? And they open up their Bible, they open up their Bible, and say, oh, "I want some of that." Yeah, that that looks good. I, I don't want that though. And I know that's good for me, but nah, I pass. I don't want that. Hey, if you love God. You will do what he says. You may not like it, but you will do what he says. Listen, the love for God and the love for his children and obedience to his word is positive proof of the new spiritual birth. It all comes down to obeying his word. In chapter two, we covered this already, right? In chapter two of 1 John, verses three and five, this is what John writes to refresh our memories here. He says, we know There's that word know again, that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But, see, but, if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will. Obey what I command. Our obedience to Him and His Word is the result of our love for Him. Listen, if we truly, if we're truly, excuse me, if we're truly saved, if we're truly born again, there will be a desire, say that, desire in our hearts to live for God and seek to obey His written Word. Because a heart that desires to obey His Word and will is a converted heart. It's a heart that's been transformed, amen? You see, true, authentic believers will be characterized by the desire to follow, not just know, not just read, but follow God's Word and obey His commands, obey His directives that charge us how to behave, that charge us how to live, how to stay on the right path that charges how to do the will of God. It's obedience to his word, friends. To his word. So get this, where there's no obedience to God and his word, there's no love for God and no love for his word. Back to the text. This is love for God to obey. Say obey. I want to point that out his commands, that word obey is present tense. It means it's an ongoing obeying a habitual lifestyle of keeping his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. Then and he says this, and his commands are not what? Burdensome. You know the world? The world looks at us believers and wonder, they wonder why in the world we live as we do. They think we're crazy, right? Because they don't view faith as joyful They don't view faith as liberating. They view faith as restricting and burdensome. They view the Christian life as being bound to a set of rules that deprive us of all joy in life. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. As believers, if you're safe, say amen. As believers, we embrace God's commands, viewing them, God's commands, as necessary and beneficial for and to our lives. Amen? His commands are not oppressive. God's commands are not stifling. His commands are not crippling to us. His commands are to help us, not hurt us. His commands are to build us up, not tear us down. Listen, church, to Christian who, who complains, complains that obeying God's word is a burden that, you know, it's a drag to keep his commands, simply does not understand God or what he has done for them in Christ. You're safe, say amen. Following, obeying God's word is not burdensome. It's not. It's a desire, not a duty. It's a blessing, not a burden, because doing what God says to do is the very thing that we believers love to do right? Because love for God makes His commands, His word, a delight and a joy to follow and to obey. So you ready for the lesson? Here's a lesson. It's, it's no burden to do something for someone you love. And so when you tell a mother to take care of her baby, you're only telling her what she loves to do, right? When, when someone tells you who loves you, Another believer tells you, right, to follow and obey God's Word. They're only telling you what you hopefully love to do. You see, your new nature, my new nature, your new nature, our new nature takes delight in adhering to the Word of God. Now, again, if you're safe, say amen. If we love God, then we want to please God. It should be a natural thing, right? If we love God, then we want to please God, right? So the more that we love God, the more we want to please God, and the more we please God, the more we obey God. It's a natural thing. It flows naturally. So the fourth evidence of the new birth is obeying God's Word. You guys with me? Brings us now into point number two. Is, point number one is faith and regeneration, and point number two is conquering faith. Say that. Conquering faith. Point number two is conquering faith. Point number one, faith and regeneration. Point number two, conquering faith. Now what John does now, John now shifts his focus to the faith that we as believers possess and the great benefit that it has in our lives. Look at verse four. For everyone, say everyone, born of God. Everyone born of God. I want to stop there. The one, in other words, everyone born of God. Everyone, in other words, who has been made a new creation in Christ. the one one with a new spiritual life, the one with a new mind and a new nature, a new disposition, new new affections, new desires, the one with a new love, the one with the love for God and love for his people and the love to obey his word, that person overcomes the world. You guys got it? The word overcomes there in the text means conquer. It means prevails over. Over, victorious over, it's an overwhelming triumph. Also, the word overcomes, say overcomes, is in the present tense, which means consistently overcomes. It's an ongoing habitual lifestyle. In other words, this now, this now marks the course of our lives. We're overcomers, right? We, we live triumphantly over the world. And you see, the idea that anything born of God, anything, listen, listen. The idea that anything born of God could be defeated by this world was strange to John. And it should be strange to us. Right? You're like, yeah, right. The world, really? Pff, right? Now, now I want to bring you back here because I want you to remember, and we covered this in the beginning of the series, when John uses the word world, say world, He's not speaking about the physical world. He's not speaking about, you know, the, the, the earth, the cosmos, the, the planet, or, or the human race. And, and we know that God tells us that we should love the beauty of God's creation. And we should love mankind, right? The word world here in the text is what? The evil world system. The evil world system. It's an evil spiritual World system, in other words, the kingdom of darkness that is opposed to God. It's an organized evil world system headed by who? Satan, the devil, the prince of this world. The gover- he's a governing force, right, beha- behind this fallen humanity. He's the one working behind the scenes. It's an evil world system that has perverted values, rampant sin, Godless priorities, secular ideologies, which include some aspects of the world of the media, of entertainment, of music, of education, of politics, of athletics, and of medicine. It's a world system of lies and deception. It is anti-God. It is anti-Christ. It is anti-truth. It is anti-Bible. It is anti-family, it is anti-parental authority, parental rights, anti-anything and everything that is holy and pure. Anything and everything that has to do with the living God. And it's this world system, listen Christians, it's this world system that is constantly trying to rob us of God's best. It's sinister and seductive. And it wants to absorb us to think like it, to act like it, to talk like it, and to live like it. Well, as difficult as evil, sinful, sinister, corrupt, and godless as this day is, and it is, isn't it, we can overcome in Jesus Christ. Amen? And you know what? Jesus is not surprised, not surprised by what we face in life. He's he's still on the throne. Say that, he's still on the throne, he's still sovereign, he's still in charge. Okay? If you're safe, say amen. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are given our discharge papers. And we are no longer in bondage. We are no longer imprisoned to this evil world system. We're no longer sucked into the evil world's agenda. We're no longer slaves to the world of sin and slaves to death. Listen, we, we no longer have, have to salute, salute, or take orders from the world. Right? The world can order us around all it wants. Go for it. Do it. Okay? But it has no authority over our lives. Amen? We're not defeated. So John's saying we're not defeated, we, we are victorious. We have overcome the world system and the one who's behind it. Let's read on. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Read that again. This is the victory, say victory, that has overcome, say overcome, the world. I want to stop there. Overcome is victory in a verb form. It's almost like John, I love this, is stressing a double victory. It's like he's saying this, this is the victory That has victored over the world. Now, notice what, notice how John ends the verse. This is is the victory that has overcome the world, even what? Even our faith. Say, Our faith. It's the new birth. Say, The new birth that produces faith in our lives. The new birth that gives us faith. Uh, Before we got saved, before the new birth, we were apart from. What we, are, we are part of the world system. We are following the world's agenda. But thank God, say thank God for His Son, Jesus Christ. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for regeneration. Thank God for the new birth. And whatever we face in this world is no match for the power our Lord Jesus Christ possesses. You see, we may be persecuted for our faith. Get ready for that. But faith in Christ will allow us to rise above, the victory, above in victory. Amen? They cannot destroy our faith or our security in Christ. They cannot keep us from having the victory. And that's John's point. Amen? The new birth brings victory. Verse 5 now, and we're almost done here. Verse 5, who is it, he says, that overcomes the world? The question, or this question, separates the true believer from the false believer. It separates the wheat from the tares. It separates true doctrine from false doctrine. Well, John clearly and strongly gives the answer. I love that he clearly defines who the overcomer is. Only he, she who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There it is. That is the very heart of Christianity. That is the very heart of the gospel. That is the very heart of salvation. Jesus is the gospel. Say that. Jesus is the gospel. The gospel is the person in the work of Jesus Christ. He's the sum and the substance of the gospel. Right? Only he who believes, he believes, that Jesus is the son of God. Remember, the word believe is not just head knowledge. It's not just you know, uh, agreeing with, it implies more than that. It speaks of a total commitment to Jesus Christ. It's a committal of one's life to Jesus Christ. It's submitting one's life to him as Lord. It's completely entrusting the soul to him. So the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, John says, has, is, and will continue to overcome the evil world system. Right? This is a statement of fact. So, the fifth evidence of the new birth is overcoming the world. Are you guys getting this? And you see the progression, don't you? Right? Follow me. Faith in Christ. Love for God. Say love for God. Love for fellow believers. Obeying God's word results in overcoming. Coming the world. Ready for the lesson? Here we go. Born again to win. Say that. You don't sound like winners. Born again to win. Say that. Born again to win. If you're saved, say amen. It's our new birth. John's saying in Jesus Christ that provides the continual power to have and to walk in victory over this world system and its evil forces and the one who's behind this evil world system. We have overcome the world. We are overcomers, he's saying. Why? Because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. I'm going to leave you with two verses, okay? John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will, not might, will. Get ready for it. Have trouble, tribulation, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Romans eight thirty seven. we're going to close with this. Romans 8, 37, and y'all just shout and say amen after this. In all things we are more than conquerors in him, Christ, who loves us. Amen? Let's praise him. He's worthy. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you.